I think we should probably actually start a show. <laughs> That's true. We've been recording for three quarters of an hour. Yeah. Um, I don't know that like the only way really thought I had to start it was just the, the fairly bland. Well, kind of way. So I think, I think, I, you know, like I have some updates that like relatively new updates, I guess. I mean, well, you know what I'm, cause I talked to you about them Saturday. Yeah. Do, I mean, do we want to, I like when we, do we want to come up with something funny or just kind of go into it? Well, I like when we start the show and be like, is this a show? Should we start the show now? Maybe this is the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that too. Or we could spot like a couple of sentences back, and it'll include all the wishy washiness as well. We could also tell a joke. I'm just not really one for telling jokes more often than not. Do you know any good jokes? Um, via my good friend Google, I can come up with plenty. Uh, you know, when you Google for good jokes, it's sometimes very difficult to find good jokes. That's fair. Do you know the term lexophile? I do not. Yeah, I, I, I've seen it, but I don't actually know what it is that they love. But uh, I saw an, uh, I don't, you know, this might have been like an email a long time ago. But it's things like uh, a wheel is a dead giveaway or a calendar's days are numbered. A backward poet writes in verse, those kind of things. A chicken crossing the road is poultry in motion. Like clever, funny things. Gotcha. All right. So I certainly follow. Anyway, uh, those aren't really jokes. They're just funny things that you have to say sometimes. A boiled egg is hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're clever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And then there's still nothing else really to follow that with because I don't have one off the top of my head. Oh, I guess we were going to talk about projects, right? Yeah. I mean, I figured uh, one of the nice things to do would be to just catch everybody up. You know, we haven't really talked about them in a bit. I know I've got some questions. Yeah, well, I <clears throat> I have some answers. Should we should we start with you then or should we kind of tease that out further? And I, I can, think we should uh, flip a coin. Okay, we can flip a coin. Do you have one handy? No, I was going to see if I could find an app. Oh. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. Uh, uh, oh, okay. So I was just looking. My, my The last post I have for Project Figure uh, is uh, the 29th of October last year. So no posts in November, no posts in December. Partly because uh, November was busy and I got COVID towards the end. And December was stupid busy. So. And I think I might have missed one in there somewhere too. Because I thought I remembered seeing a notification. But I don't remember seeing the post. Uh, I don't know. The the last post. Uh, it's probably the, it's probably my, it's probably the best post I did of uh, an on-project vigor ever. So I'm going to have to go look and see if I saw it then, aren't I? Yeah. Real Real-time investigation. Yeah. This is called real-time follow-up, real-time F you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just because it's like, okay, here, that's funny, but the, uh, the, you gotta, the audio is, the audio is, the, the video is, the video with no audio, not that funny. The audio is really what makes it. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that one. I do remember seeing the one before that, though, um. 
Yeah. Did you hear it with the audio? Not yet. Hold on. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the uh, I'll send you the soundbite when I upload my uh, so you can you can put it in there. Just uh, I guess I should give a description and then you can add the sound because it's it's so short. Sure. But uh, uh, my friend was going to climb. We're in the climbing gym. He was going to climb a. I think he was doing a lead climb. And yeah, he's doing a lead climb. And uh, as he was going up, I went around and I smacked his ass as hard as I could, just for luck. And it just the sound just echoed. Yeah, it was quite audible. Yeah. So with Project Vigor, um, yeah, not since we've started the show, I suppose. Um, I mean, I'll keep coming, but to that a little bit too, just to keep everybody guessing. Are you are you predominantly thinking you're going to stay in the gym over the course of the year? Are you going to try to get back out on the boulders? What's the what's your thought on kind of where you're going to take it? Sadly, I probably won't be able to boulder for a long time because of my finger injury. Because it requires more crimpy moves, and so makes sense. I don't. I certainly. Do, I don't want to re-injure it. It's not. I can't. It's. It's. I don't know that it'll ever go back to being the way that it was before, but I can climb uh, rope routes in the gym with no issue at all. Well, that's positive. I haven't had. Yeah, yeah. It's. It's really. It's really. I even uh, have climbed a few times with the finger untaped and I had no issue whatsoever. I don't want to push my luck, so I keep taping it, but I kind of get to where it's like, I kind of want to try bouldering, but like I'll, I might try a bouldering route in the gym every once in a while just to see. But the last time I tried, it was, uh, it did not, it did not feel like it was a good idea. And that was in the gym? In the gym. Yeah. So I have follow-up questions to that. Um, because I haven't obviously been out climbing since the ankle injury either. Yeah. And, um, I guess I, I continue to see improvement. Like there's still some soreness in different places at, depending on different things. Um, I'm finding my current routine seeming to improve things more than where it kind of stagnated last year. Um, so that's a positive too. And we can get into that more as well. But what I thought I might do is at least see about doing like the the rope uh, class and see what that would open up as far as occasionally doing uh, some day passes. Because um, I, I doubt I'll be out there enough to justify a membership, especially already paying a uh, another institution and gym membership fees for the, the jujitsu uh, stuff. And so I don't necessarily want to pay, you know, multiple gyms, different sets of fees. But my question was kind of related to what is it that the belaying class actually offers? Like I know the way they break it down, there are certain restrictions until you've done whatever the class is. And I don't remember all of those uh, subtleties or details. Yeah, so pretty straightforward. You know, you can climb anything you want in the gym. Uh, 
as you know, the, obviously the auto belays, you can just go there and climb by yourself. Um, if you've got someone to belay for you, you can climb any route in the gym that is a top rope route. Um, it, the top rope class, you know, they teach you how to uh, safely uh, top rope belay uh, any climber. So once you take that class, the next time you go to the gym, you can you take the test. You know, it's a practical test, and then you get you know, pass that test and you're certified to top rope anyone in the gym or, or belay, belay on a top rope for anyone in the gym. And so the, the difference really is just that there are a handful of routes that do not have auto belays that are top rope or do they all have auto belays and it's just a matter of your choice on. Uh, most of the routes in the gym are top rope. Uh, there's like maybe, it's less than half a dozen auto belays. So uh, without having someone to belay for you, it's a very limited experience at the gym. That's what I was trying to remember. Uh, uh, you know, I take that. Let me, t- let me, let me rephrase that. There are several. So I say there's like less than half a dozen routes, but that's not exactly fair. There's less than half a dozen setups with an auto belay, but each auto belay setup, there's, on one on their short wall um i think two of the auto belay setups have like one of them has four different routes in that area so it's like you know various grades all on the same section of wall that you would use for that auto belay so i think there's it's like a i think there's a five five six five eight like five eight five ten five twelve that kind of thing um so there's four routes in this one section where you could clip into the autoblay and do four different routes. There's another, the speed wall has two autoblays, and each one of those usually has at least two routes, sometimes three routes. So there's a fair amount of climbing. It's just that there's you're limited to like four to five sections of the wall. Right, and and that's more or less what I imagined when you were describing it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, I, I I realized I wasn't actually I wasn't being totally accurate around about it. Yeah, and and that makes sense. For, good for clarification when we're talking about you know audience potentially hearing. Yes. Um. So are you planning to, or maybe you have been, uh, other than the past two months consistently going on a weekly basis every other week what's the let's see um or and and not so much what have you been doing but what's kind of your thought for how you're approaching the year Uh, or have you (laughs) have you even thought about how you're going to approach the year yet We're, we're pretty early in as we record yeah you know um i definitely want to go enough to make the membership worth it um, I actually, I knew, uh, I had my kids on the membership and we, we just, they just slowed down their climbing because, uh, like we climbed together one of the days last week, uh, between Christmas and new years and they had a good time, but it was kind of a light day for us. I don't, uh, you know, it's, it's it, cause it was just us as in the middle of the day, um, but they, they did some climbs and, you know, it's been, it's been light. And then, uh, the time before, like the 
couple of times before that, they didn't, they came, but they didn't climb at all. They wanted to either, like they read a book or playing a game on their switch or something like that, you know, various things where they just weren't interested in climbing and I was there to climb. So I took them off of my membership because, um, I don't want to pay for them if it wasn't the, you know, the right now the value is not there. And so I can just pay for them individually. Like I'm yeah, the, the day passes aren't very expensive if I remember correctly. No, they're not bad. And I mean, if you go a couple of times a month, then yeah, I would say it adds up enough to, to maybe get close to that threshold. Yeah. Well, there was a point in time where I was, I was, I personally was going almost three times a week for a few months. And then when I injured myself, you know, I was out for a long time. I tried to, you know, I used their, I went to the weight room a few times just to, you know, make use of that. But yeah, I was out for a few months. So now I want to, I think I can get back into it. And also my living situation is such that I think will actually make it easier for me to go because, you know, when I was split, like I'm at this house, my partner's over at that house, her house and, uh, the gym is over there. And it's like, you know, I'm, if I climbed until, you know, the gym closes at 10 PM and drive to my partner's house to spend time with her, it's kind of like, well, what's the point? You know, she'd be like, kind of like, what's the point of you coming over? Cause we're about to go to bed and then you're going to have to go back to your house in the morning to do work, you know? So I think, uh, the new living arrangement might make that getting to the gym more often, uh, better and more feasible. So time will tell. Are you, are you thinking you're going to do, um, kind of continue with the same format? Have you found that it's working well for what you want to do or are you looking to, to change that up any or, or is it still kind of early in the project to tell? There's definitely some changes that need to be made. So something that's made a huge impact in just a few days is um, I started, so uh, a friend of the show, Jesse Hart, uh, loaned a Series 4 Apple Watch to me. And uh, I would put it on, and then I'm like, oh, I can't wear this. Because I'm just so not used to, I'm so unused to wearing a watch. I just can't wear this. And I would take it off. And I think a lot of it had to do with being, with sitting at a desk and trying to wear it while doing work on my computer. And last week, since I was on vacation, I would put it on and I found myself leaving it on longer. And I found myself like getting interested in meeting certain goals. Like, you know, it was easy, you know, it's easy to start with a stand goal and, and hit that a few times. And then it got to be, well, I want to know, you know, I'd mess around with the ECG and I'm like, this is kind of cool. Uh, I should, and it made me think I should check my blood pressure. And so I would check, you know, I was like, ah, I wonder if there is a companion, you know, a blood pressure cuff that would work with the Apple watch. I'm like, that would be cool. Cause like I, I at one point had a cuff, but I never used it because I'm like, whatever, um, I'm taking blood pressure, blood pressure medication. The last time I was with my doctor, checked it, everything looked good. So 
I found myself today uh, at the Publix. Uh, uh, went specifically to use the Higgy to check my blood pressure, just to see if uh, I'm on some new medic, new blood pressure medication to see if it's working. And so now I'm just like, hmm. I'm I'm delightfully falling into the gamification of health or my own personal health um, as a result of wearing the watch. And so now I'm in a place where it's like, well, the other, the other part of this is like the other motivation here is like, I really think the Apple watch ultra is a cool watch just in general. That's a cool watch. And I didn't buy the first generation because I couldn't, um, at the time I was like, it's not, I couldn't, I felt like it, there's no justification for me wearing it. I don't want to buy this and then not wear it. So I've told myself that if I consistently get to a place where I'm wearing this Apple watch that you loaned me, uh, by the time the second generation comes out, I'll probably buy the second generation watch. So with, um, with the climbing pieces, I think I mentioned it before, but just to, to reiterate it, uh, Pinnacle is an app that I picked up that has a watch app where you can tap a button to start a climb and it'll record some metrics during that climb and then you can tap a bottom or tap a, a button to end or pause or you know basically once you're done with your climb you tell it hey I finished my climb yeah um, so the last time I was in the gym I did climb with it just to see how it was and it was not intrusive I um I started playing with Pinnacle back w- when we were at Moss Rock um, before th- my ankle issue, and I liked what little bit of uh, kind of feedback I got from that. And I haven't even had a chance to really explore it since that was very short lived. Um, but I, I've become a bit of a data junkie when it comes to what I can measure and and track with all my different endeavors. Is it Pinnacle three sixty five? I think it was just called Pinnacle. I will look real quick. There's a lot of... there's Oh, Pinnacle Climb Log. That might be it. Yes. It I'm is a paid app. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to have to check this out. But it, uh, I like it. I will, I'm more than happy to uh, tag along at some point and let you see it before you decide to invest in it. I'll check it out. I, uh, I saved it there so I could check it out at some point. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm starting. Uh, I went and, uh, the last time I was at my old house, I made sure to grab my yoga mat cause now I, I, you know, I have a different, sp- I'm living in a different space and it's far more conducive to rolling out a yoga mat and trying uh, a yoga, uh, class on Apple fitness. And I want to do that, uh, soon. I know they. I know that they now don't require the watch, but uh, let's let's be honest. That that's one of the things. And then yeah, the, my, the experience with the watch is so much better. Right, right. So I'm pretty excited to do that. Um, the next thing is, uh, I want to talk to my doctor about something called. Um, it's called Ozempic. It's it doesn't a, ring a bell. What? What is it? Yeah. So I, I I wouldn't expect it to ring a bell. It's 
I think it's got close to a decade's worth of of study, um, but it's a it's a pharmaceutical uh, drug that was developed to help people with diabetes to control and lower their blood sugar levels. And one of the side effects of that is weight loss. It curbs the appetite. Okay. So is this, uh, not to, to draw a direct correlation, but I've, I've seen a couple of art articles talking about there being an uptick in looking at medication that was originally designed for diabetes because of its weight loss benefits. Is this yes. in that same general ballpark? Yes. Yeah. I think it is, um, there's a class it's a it's it's in a class of drugs i want it in my head i think it's like a a, a g like a g1 something um i remember the one of the times that i looked it up i it, it talked about the 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 class of drug that it's in um or the class of drugs and it, i think it had something to do with what it's affecting but uh yeah it was made for to control sugar blood sugar levels and lower blood sugar levels. And as a result, uh, people lose weight. It's a, um, it's a once a week injection. And, um, uh, my friend who's a pharmacist, uh, has been administering it, um, through 2022, um, uh, at the VA and, um, just like the anecdotal results that he's been seeing, I mean, well, the the actual lab lab results and, and proper scientific method studies are you know showing this is an this is an excellent weight loss drug. The his anecdotal uh, evidence is inc- you know incredibly positive. So I thought about talking to my doctor about that just um, uh, because. A lot of the people who have lost weight from this have also been able to go off off certain medications, and so I'm just kind of interested interested to see if I could get it and see how it affects me. Because um, I don't know, I've been having a hard time. I can understand that. Um, you know, I, I know I've mentioned it on the show, but just for for clarification purposes, I was on blood pressure medicine prior to 2020, and once I was able to reduce uh, weight by a fairly significant margin, that was when I saw my blood pressure go back down into an area where my physician said, you know, let's let's try going off of it. And so far I've been able to maintain that. Um, and I, I know that like that initial change is a huge hurdle um, for me I just happened to look up on a combination of things that worked uh, is the way I kind of look at it um, but it's like that's the kicker right like that's the big piece that uh, everyone struggles with and you have to eventually find the right combination of things to to make that kind of change and that's just one example uh, I know uh, cholesterol medication can be the same way, and there there are two or three other maintenance medications that uh, have a correlation to weight as well. So uh, anecdotally, what I've been told is that the folks who have been given this 
uh, who have been, you know, this drug has been administered to, um, have get to a place where the idea of of like complete, complete you know, finishing, uh, let's say, let's say, finishing a, a Big Mac, is daunting. Like they just can't, you know, like you just have, you know, the signals that tell you you're full are just there, and and so he's oh, like uh, my friend was saying that he's he's seeing really good results for people who do nothing like who live sedentary lives so these are people who aren't even you know they're not they're not they're losing they're losing weight they're going off their blood pressure medications because they no longer need them they're not in a pre-diabetic state any longer and they aren't they're just taking you know they're just taking you know they're just getting this drug and their bodies are healing you know in, in in a way um and so i thought that was uh an interesting thing to start talking to my doctor about um he said the people that who are exercising their results are even more dramatic and faster so but it's but what's interesting is that the way they ramp you up because i think the maximum dosage is two milligrams a week but you don't start there you start with like half a milligram for you know i don't I don't know if it's a few weeks or, but you, you step up from starting at a half milligram to eventually a two milligram dosage. And then people are coming off of it as well and able to maintain the weight loss because they've just gone to a place where like, this is how their body is working. So all of that's very interesting. But even if you just, if you had to take it for the rest of your life to maintain something like that, it's not, you know, that's better. I feel like that would be better than taking blood pressure medication. Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, I I don't know if this is true across the board, but I know looking at like the the potential side effects and warnings about long term use on a lot of the different uh, blood pressure medications, like it's a concerning area of what you're subjecting your body to long term. Well, that and the blood pressure medication only treats one symptom. Right, like it's, it's a really important one, but it only treats one symptom. Where this is, uh, it's I don't want to say you know it's it's closer to the root of of you know of something that uh, it, it treats it addresses something that will solve multiple issues, including like cholesterol and just the the known uh, um, not immune, but the uh, what is it? Trauma, not trauma response. Um, what is it when you get injured? There's a response that you have, your body has. Um, uh, generally speaking, like I've heard so many different it's terms like interchanged. In, like inflammation. And and stress response is often used depending on the nature of the injury. Immune response, of course, would be if it were uh, like viral, bacterial. Um Oh. The infl- it, uh, yeah, it is the inflammatory response. Okay, Inf- yeah, it's it's a I guess it's a part of the immune response. It's a specific immune response, but uh, uh, and like uh, having more than healthy body fat uh, results in in a uh, immune like a, an inflammatory response, and so all of these things that you that are seen during the inflammatory response are, are seen in, 
uh, adipose tissue. And it's just, you know, it's like your body is constantly in this, uh, living in this inflammatory response and it's really unhealthy. So the idea that, oh, I have like, uh, uh, a fat belly, uh, and then, and that, that fat tissue is sitting there, um, inactive was the dogma for a long, long time. So maybe 20 years ago it, it changed. And there were a lot of, like, I remember having a, a doctor in the mid to late two thousands telling me about the, yeah, no, it's not just sitting there. It's not, you know, just weighing you down. It's actively, it's actively working against your body and there's this constant inflammatory response. And so, you know, that's something that's addressed, uh, blood sugars are addressed. Um, so it's been very, it's a very interesting thing. And it's, I'm, I'm like, I just want to try it and see how it does. Like, you know, whether it's like a long-term thing or a short-term thing to get to a certain goal. So, and that isn't to say that I'm not going to try other, you know, try to do it without it. Like the idea of like modifying my diet and so forth. I think it's, um, I think it's actually interesting, uh, introduction to what I'm hoping to, to launch as a result of my past couple of years of experiences. And, um, obviously we've, we've talked about it in in certain limited subsets. Um, but like one of the things that I've recognized over the past year and a half or so is that I did a lot of trial and error and playing around with things to reach a fairly positive point with regard to my own personal health and fitness that might be beneficial to other people to hear. Maybe not. You know, I I, I certainly don't claim to be an expert, but I feel like the path I chose provided a number of lessons that I want to share. And it's because I didn't focus completely on this idea of becoming fit or uh, having a specific health-related goal. It was that I wanted to take each day and be a slightly better version of me. And that meant predominantly physical with regard to, to these endeavors, but it wasn't completely isolated to a physical transformation and I think that story is interesting and is an ongoing thing because as I've uh, increased my fitness and, and made different changes from a health perspective, I've uh, increased the uh, challenges and other things that I've decided to take upon you know myself for hobbies and, and different things that are just kind of fun and uh, I can have a lot of interesting and creative moments with regard to video production with these particular interests. And that kind of excites me from just the uh, creative professional kind of mindset. And um, so my goal is that by uh, no later than summer, actually have the channel launched and just kind of see where it goes. Um and that's that's going to be a, a tough sell, but I've uh, I've started at least filming some B roll here and there uh, for filler, and I've started trying to kind of put together what I think the 
uh, like teaser introduction narration should be. And I already have, you know, an outline of kind of shows in general that, or episodes in general that I want to do. I'm just not entirely sure how well I'm going to execute. And so that's kind of the big question mark for me. But I think overall, worst case scenario, I have some trial and error experience to provide. And a lot of that is around what I got right and what I got wrong in my year-ish journey to uh, both dropping weight and being able to do more than just walk for you know fitness for exercise and um over 40 that's a pretty big accomplishment you know Um, it it is and it's it's something that i think for far too often most of us overthink of it or most of us at least latch on to a goal that is a good goal but it's not the first step it's not what we should be looking at starting out and uh, you know we'll see i i don't I don't know that I will do anything revolutionary or overly interesting or gain any kind of traction, but I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it and have a lot of fun creating some uh, videos for it, and we're just going to see where it goes. So I have a few questions, a few thoughts. Absolutely. Bring them on. Yeah, and this so kind of put you on the spot, but did, would you have like, uh, what is the thing that you wish you had known two years ago or at this point, I guess it's been almost three years. Yeah. It's, we're getting pretty close. You know, the, the biggest thing. Yeah. The one biggest thing that you wish you knew going into it. I, I don't even know if I would say it's the biggest thing that I wish I had known. I would say it was the biggest thing that I wish I had wrapped my head around. Mm-hmm is how many times you'll feel like there's either no progress or that you're regressing and it just takes time. Like I can't tell you how many days I didn't have the best concept of how to measure progress beyond like weight or an energy level or, or something kind of abstract. And so there could be a stretch of a week or two weeks where I would feel like it was just a constant regression. Like not only had I lost any gains that I had made, but I was actively getting worse. The only reason I made it to the other side of that viewpoint was because when I started out, I gave myself a time frame, and that time frame was the rest of the year. So this would have been starting in 2020, so until December 31st at midnight 2020, I was going to commit to whatever I decided to do, which was uh, to hit a certain general activity level for the day and measuring that by way of uh, active calories burned according to the Apple Watch. That way I would have at least a, a fairly set day-to-day comparison. And if it wasn't for me being so stubborn that I would refuse to not honor the commitment I made to myself, I don't know how many times I would have given up. 
during the first three months. But then after that, once I hit that next change, that next transition, everything was paid off. Like it, it, oh yes, I just had to get there. And then sure, plenty of other times there have been plateaus or uh, points where it doesn't feel like I'm making progress. But because of that initial breakthrough, I'm willing to see it through and continue and maybe adapt or tweak something until I see that next little breakthrough. And like I'm, I'm currently doing that yet again. You know, I've, I've been extremely consistent with my activity levels. Um, the one thing that I've continued to struggle with is that I like food. Mm-hmm. And I kind of refuse to not allow myself to uh, consume what I want to consume. Uh, life's too short for uh, living a constricted life. Like if, if, if we're talking about short term to meet goals, that's one thing. But I've moved past that phase where I restricted my what I would consume and uh, the types of things I would consume and everything else. Like I'm, I'm in that phase now where I'm adapting other things to allow me to continue to consume whatever I want to consume. Uh, and I'm still learning. Yeah, I think, you know, the to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. That's the only way to make that work. Right. And there's safe ways and, and a lot of harmful ways of doing it. But the but the, the goal is once you once you get to where you want to be, you no longer need to maintain that calorie deficit. That doesn't mean you start eating as many calories as you did before, because that's how you end up back where you were, you know, end up back in the place where you were. But yeah. Right. And and what I'm doing now is I've over the past three ish months, I've seen a very slow but steady increase in weight and body fat percentage. And that's important because I don't measure based on weight alone because weight is not a good measurement of where you are from a a fitness perspective. But because it and body fat percentage has increased, I've tried to kind of look at what it is that is changing and and what it is that I'm not targeting appropriately. How are you measuring? Clothing-wise. Go ahead. I was just going to say, how are you measuring uh, body fat percentage? Uh, So... I have two different methods. I have a, a scale that gives a rough percentage um, that it, I just use it consistently day to day so that I have that trend line. And if it continues from a trend perspective to be higher than uh, what it was a couple of weeks prior, then I tend to accept that there is an increase in body fat. Um, but outside of that, I have a, a device that uh, from what I can tell, the company is no longer in existence, and so it's no longer available. Uh, but it's called a Sculpt, S-K-U-L-P-T. Mm-hmm. And um, I've used it because what it does is it theoretically uh, targetedly measures the different body or muscle groups within the body. So you scan like uh, left shoulder, right shoulder, left bicep, right bicep left forearm, right forearm, et cetera, throughout the body. And you get a better representation of uh, muscle quality and body fat percentage for that more targeted area. Mm -hmm. That has been my predominant kind of guiding set of measurements to figure out what is changing and what's not. 
so like from two plus years ago to today, my arms and legs have sub 10% body fat as measured by wow. that device. Uh, but over the past six to eight months, my uh, core and back have been increasing instead of decreasing, which is interesting because the core muscles, like I have more strength in my core than I did before. And so trying to think about it from a fairly you know, overall holistic picture, it really just means that what I'm doing from a diet perspective is leaving me with more fatty deposits around my core than I'm eliminating via exercise or whatever else. So even though my core is stronger than it has been, I'm obviously not doing enough to keep my body from producing additional fat stores throughout my you know, central body. Uh, and it's not necessarily that it's adding inches or anything. It's just that that's where uh, it's going to store the tissue first. And this just also kind of goes hand in hand with yeah. uh, the fact that men in general tend to store more fat around the core. Uh, it's part of what increases risk for a whole range of things, including you know, heart disease and, and diabetes and everything else. Um, what's fascinating to me is when I started this journey, I dropped a couple of inches waist-wise, and that has stayed consistent even with this increase in body fat percentage around the core. And so what I think is happening, uh, and I haven't confirmed necessarily yet, is I think my back, so lower back, upper back, those muscles aren't getting worked as much as they were getting worked uh, a year-ish ago when I was really targeting the core as opposed to uh, kind of more functional movements that I've been doing over the past year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas my abs, you know, the frontal core, they've been worked to death. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the, I, there's not a week that goes by that there's not a soreness in either uh, kind of the central lower abs or my obliques. Um, like I know I am consistently working those. And it, so I need to be more intentional about making it a well-rounded practice around my core and not just focused on those frontal abs, which makes a lot of sense because I made a transition from uh, a lot of uh, full body yoga practices and uh multiple movement, functional uh, kind of strength, strength training workouts to rowing for cardio and jujitsu uh, overall for what I would call functional strength. And it hasn't been targeted like it was prior. And so I'm seeing a change in body composition as a result where my arms, my chest, my shoulders... Uh, those are getting a hell of a workout. And my legs, you know, nice, uh, quads, nice. ham, hamstrings, etc. But my back is not. And so part of what I've been doing over the past few weeks is trying to incorporate a consistent reintroduction of yoga on a daily basis if possible. And at worst case, every other day. 
So where I had kind of moved yoga to like a rest day type of routine, uh, that has now been brought back into the forefront as a, no, this needs to be a core functional piece of my uh, day-to-day practice. Yeah, yeah. So right before I asked that question, and I feel like this can this leads into it well, but you were about to talk about uh, how clothes were fitting. Yeah, so what... <laughs> I, I realized I forgot to complete that thought. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, my waist has maintained that uh, smaller range. So I went from wearing a consistent size 32. Uh, and actually, I, that's me trying not to admit that I actually had to move to a size 34 for a bit. So I went technically from a 34 down to a 30 as far as the waist is concerned. And that's been consistent. None, nothing in the clothing that I've uh, replaced has felt tight or uh, like I suddenly need to go back to a larger size. With an interesting exception, which is in some of the uh, jeans that I had replaced, my thighs are now tighter than they were before. So the waist <laughs> is still... Uh, fitting in the 30, no problem whatsoever. But my thighs have uh, obviously expanded a bit from where they were so that in some jeans, it's like I'm wearing skinny jeans, even though uh, they're supposed to be a straight fit, uh, which is kind of funny. I, I just find it kind no, of that's hilarious. A, that's, no, no, that's, uh, I, I've had that problem naturally, just uh, just the build of my body and... Uh, there, there was a long time that I was buying, uh, like underwear that fit. Uh, so we're uh, uh, boxers. I was buying underwear that fit. I had to make sure it fit my thighs and primarily, and then the waist was, uh, you know, things would fit my waist but not my thighs, and so I had to find the brand that the size that I wore for my waist also fit my thighs. Yeah, it's um. This is completely new territory for me. <laughs> I, I you like it, right? You like it. I do. I actually do. Yeah, it's a I, good um, feeling. And I like the fact that you know I I can stretch out my legs and I can see like muscle the definition. definition. Yeah, yeah. Like, nothing is uh, vague with regard to where the different muscles in my legs are. And, uh, I mean, it makes sense as well. Like my focus over the past year has been far more on using my lower body and, and, uh, those compound movements and it's kind of great to see it. Um, but what's funny is I've also seen the same kind of thing in the shirts. So I went from wearing a consistent large to, uh, pretty much everything I have being a medium because I, I just, everything else felt way too baggy. But now, very similar to the thigh issue, my arms will feel tight in the sleeves, whereas the, the shirt, the rest of the shirt feels comfortable, like it fits the way it's supposed to, right? Uh, now, I, I realize that if you get a properly fitted t-shirt, that's how it's supposed to fit. Yep. Uh, I've just never had that fit. <laughs> and so a large part of it is just me saying, okay, I... I finally understand how a t-shirt is supposed to fit and i just kind of have to get used to and adapt to that um but i'm so used to decades of 
the sleeve has to be a little loose. Like there, there's room. I can fit my hand between the sleeve and my arm. And with the current t-shirts, I cannot. Like <laughs> you can, you can see my bicep whether I want you to or not. And that's yeah. uh, uh, it's a fun place to be for sure. Yes, for sure. Um, but it's also just strikingly different territory to what I'm used to. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting to see. It's like you've spent, like you said, a few decades. Like this is how life is, and now it's like this is not how life is. Life is this way now, and that's you know. That's, you know, you know, if you were there in your younger years, um, uh, you might not have noticed it because it's like, this is how it's always been. And so here's an interesting thing, um, because I was thinking about this not too long ago, back in my late twenties, when I decided to pursue uh, a stint with a, a boxing club, just to, to kind of see what it was about. I had trouble maintaining a 172 weight, which is what I was supposed to maintain if I were to choose to compete. Now, I was not planning to be a competitor, but I still wanted to to have that mindset and approach so that I understood it. So I was trying to maintain 172 pounds uh, while doing these, these workouts. I had to think about what the general uh, attire for the day was like. And I realized the reason I've never experienced this before is because I'm a Gen Xer. We wore fucking extra large. Oh, yeah. When we should have been wearing small. You know, right. um, none of my clothing came close to fitting while I was doing this before. And if I'd actually been wearing the appropriate size... I might have experienced have experienced this during that time frame. No, I, I absolutely have. I already had this thought because I was thinking about like how big and baggy clothes were throughout most of the nineties. Not even nineties. Like you, do, everything up until like twenty ten. So you realize you have to include the two thousands as a part of this this range uh they they got away from big and baggy sometime in the late 90s they might have <laughs> but I you didn't did not. you did not <laughs> so i can remember so here's the thing this was when i was in high school uh so i graduated in 99 so i'm very close you're 97 right correct um you remember jinkos right yes those were very popular very expensive you know well at least you know, to, in my head, they were expensive because I think they were like 50 bucks a pair. Now that doesn't seem so expensive, but inflation. Um, I remember because <laughs> now they would be like over, you know, we could, we could do real time follow up and be like, oh, yeah, that's like over 100 bucks or whatever. Yeah, but I, expect. but I have to clarify, it's not really inflation in this regard. It's disposable income. And so access yeah. to disposable income actually makes it seem less expensive. Yeah, it, there's that, that, that could. There's, there's that too, but you know, inflation as well. Cause like, if you were going to buy them today, they're going to be well over a hundred dollars and I don't buy jeans for over a hundred dollars. Um, the last time I bought jeans, I bought a pair of Levi's from eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, you know, I'd go to the Levi's outlet, but, um, I either go there or, or yeah, I've bought a couple pair from 
from eBay. <laughs> uh, because, oof. Anyway, um, I had, in the 90s, I had, I wanted some because I like, I like that look. And um, I bought a pair that fit me. Uh, they weren't Jinko. They were uh, a JCPenney brand called Zons, Z-O-N-Z. And I had two, I ended up having two pairs, but because my butt was so big and my legs were so big, they didn't look like the big baggy jeans. They just kind of looked more like, um, bell bottoms. <laughs> so I can see that. Yeah. Um, so funny thing is I also I, wore, I was going to say, I also wore a wallet chain. That doesn't, uh, well, I don't know that. I, I want to Im- immediately say that doesn't surprise me, but it also feels like it kind of does. Like I, I think it's the, I think part of that dissonance is the the thinking about first meeting you and kind of the mixture of different things that you projected that I, I, I don't know that I, I have a good way to describe it. Okay. <laughs> the- did I have long hair when I first started working there? Did Longer, I... yes. Okay. Uh, it was certainly more um, uh, Afro-ish without yes. being quite that big. Yes. Oh, well, it used to be that big. And so like, I, I think part of it is just that I could have gone either way with how you chose to, to you know, attire and every, accessorization, et cetera. Like, I could see either one. I think is what I'm really getting at. And so I want to say it doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, it could be kind of surprising. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, So fascinatingly, I refused to pay more than a certain amount for jeans until I bought a pair of jeans that was close to that $100 mark. And then something changed. And it was a recognition that one or two pair of jeans or or clothing in general, you spend a certain amount on it and you get this thing that is worth the the price you paid for longevity and uh, just general functional ruggedness, I guess is a good way to put it. But if it doesn't live up to that, then you're burned on it forever. And I was fortunate enough to buy a pair of jeans that was uh, in that higher bracket. Uh, it, it didn't cross the $100 mark, but it got closer. And I still have those jeans to this day. Nice. They still look brand new. There is absolutely no wear and tear on them, even though I wore the hell out of them. <laughs> and the only reason I don't wear them now is because I have physically changed sizes. Right. Um, and so it, there, there's an interesting aspect to that. But I also wouldn't buy more than one pair of them at a time. You know, it's it's not the type of thing that would have a closet of uh, a closet full of like five pair for multiple days. Um, like this would be one pair of jeans I would wear for a week at a time and wash it and then wear it again kind of thing. Um, I sent you a picture of my how I looked through the 90s. I'll, I'll pull it up. Um, where I was going with that is that my current, <laughs> uh, my current wardrobe 
<laughs> that might that might have to be like a chapter image. Uh, yeah, yeah. My uh, current selection of of attire, uh, as far as jeans go, consists of a couple of pair of Levi's that I rotate through because they're relatively economical and relatively um, strong. I guess uh, yeah, capable of withstanding day to day abuse. And then I have one pair of what I would call luxury jeans um, that I purchased for a specific kind of grouping of of different things. And then I have a couple of pair of uh, what I would call outdoor activity pants. And so like these I bought specifically for climbing, but they're phenomenal for hiking or, or anything else. Just uh, strong, lightweight, non-denim kind of pants. Mm-hmm. I have I have some like that. So, yeah, I, I actually and now I'm trying to figure out: Do I buy a pair or two of khakis to have just in case? But I haven't worn like khakis in a couple of years. Like, do I really need to consider that kind of thing? That, but that's a whole different, you know, side tangent. That's a uh, uh, not having to go into the office day to day, not having to dress for uh, customer facing engagements on a regular basis. Uh, do I have something in my wardrobe to meet that, or do I just continue to not have that and not care? And that's completely unrelated to uh, the conversation that we were having, but that's, <laughs> it's just, that's been my recent, do yeah. I need to fill in this gap or do I need to keep letting it ride kind of thing? I understand. Yeah. No, I, 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 I turn. so like, it's interesting. Cause like I, the, so the pandemic has actually taken some clothes that were just like maybe marginally too small for me. And cause like I have, uh, some shirts that I really like that the company that makes them their largest size is extra large. And at the time that I bought them, it's like, there might be a few days out of the month where it's like, Oh, you might, that might be a little too tight for you. But most of the time it was fine. And post pandemic, I'm like, I can't wear them right now. And so one of my goals is to get back into them. And actually have them fit better than ever. So that's a goal I have. And I have this other goal that I think is actually fun because um, I went on a hike with my kids uh, over the week that I had them, you know, between Christmas and New Year. And there were some trails that I went on that I'd been on before and they were kicking my butt uh, in a way that they hadn't done before. And so that's, that's a problem for me. And so I have a goal and I've, I've meant to, you know, I've meant to do this a few times, but now I'm like, definitely I'm going to do this this year. And that is, I want to hike all of the trails at Red Mountain Park and, uh, uh, Ruffner Mountain. How many trails are there between the two? Like, it, it sounds like you have this information handy and you probably don't, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to uh, ask it. So, anyway. uh, Red Mountain. Red Mountain Park has 17 trails. Uh, some of them, some of them would be kind of like lollipops, but there's, there's, um, there's basically a way to, 
like I'll, I'll, I'll like figure out what, what is the best way to, um, um, what is the best way to, um, hit, hit the trail and, you know, like there's like, I was, you know, I could look at the map and be like, okay, I'll do this trail and that trail and that trail today and, and you know, actually knock out a few trails in, in a day. And, and the idea here is that it, how I'm counting this is, um, I'll do, I want to walk the trail from one end to the other. Now I don't have to walk it back. I mean, obviously some of them are in and out and I will have to walk it back regardless, but for it to, for me, for it to count for the goal that I have is to walk the entire length of the trail at one point in one time. And I've done one or two. So, uh, I want to do every trail at both of those, but Red Mountain has 17 different trails. I don't have the mileage on it. I could, I'll, I'll do, I'll put that in for follow up. Um, and Ruffner Mountain has fewer trails. It's they have like mm, half a dozen trails or so. Well, and, and I was going to actually follow up my question with uh, what may be more applicable is what kind of mileage are you talking about per hike or, or per session? Because that might be something that I would be willing to or, or want to uh, either tag along with or maybe join for some of them. Oh, yeah. Just for the sake of, of hiking some of these trails. Because, like, I've, I've been on Ruffner, and I've hiked a couple of trails, but I've never actually taken the time to look at what trails are available and, and try to map any of that out. It's just I went with someone who uh, had a specific... Uh, path in mind and I followed them and enjoyed it and called it a day and same thing in general for pretty much anything else in the area and those are the kinds of things that are very easy to add to what I already do it's not like it costs me anything Um, but what I've noticed is that now that I've changed uh, what type of shoe I'm wearing with the custom orthotic and adding uh, walking back into my routine is where the ankle seems to be improving more than it was before. And I don't know how much of that is just a change in uh, the shoe and the the um, re- general support around the orthotic, et cetera, that that provides as opposed to the biomechanics of how uh, the foot falls with that particular shoe as well. Uh, or if more of it has to do with the reintroduction and, and emphasis on yoga and, and a more regular uh, practice as well. But either way, both of those are things that I've increased over the past month. And over the past month, I've seen uh, more positive improvement with the ankle than I've seen uh, over the previous few months. And so I want to continue that. And if it means hiking is a good way to do so, great. I'm completely on board. Uh, and even if it's not, it's a good, fun uh, diversion from what I've been doing for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I did a quick look, and there are... Um... It's fifteen fifteen point seven nine miles at Red Mountain, and then still doing the math for the uh, for Ruffner. But um, 
Yeah, it's it, it's about the same, and Ruffner has uh, fifteen trails, but it's it's like I, I routed it. You know, I was looking at the uh, at one point I was looking at the map, and I was like looking at okay, if I wanted to complete these two trails, and they're two of the longer trails. Uh, I think the lo- the longest trail they have is two point nine three miles, and it. Um, if you know the the goal that I've set for myself, if I like want to actually you know do all of the trails, um, like if I wanted to do, I, I looked at one if it uh, it's a two mile trail and then I hit another one on the way it, uh, on on the route back and it's one point nine, but to actually get back to the car, it's going to end up being a little over five miles of hiking to do that kind of loop, and so so even though some of the trails are like they look shorter, it's going to be a longer hiking. So I'm looking at it. De- you know, you ask me. It depends on the day. So like, I love taking my kids, and they enjoy they enjoy going, and it's a good thing for kids. So it's but like hiking with them is going to be a little bit different. I can accomplish some of these smaller trails um, with them, and actually even some of the bigger trails. But I don't think they're going to want to hike for five miles. So I might do like a, a like the like hitting the uh, doing the bigger days. Um, on weekends that they're not with me and then doing like something that's more kid friendly. And it's, here's the thing about kids and hiking. And I'm sure you know this. It's, um, they're not tired when they say they're tired, they're bored or hungry and bored. Yeah, for sure. Um, just as you were talking about, it's funny when I decide to walk, uh, once or twice a week, I do laps around the neighborhood, and it's 4.2 miles. Um, nice. And I do that in about an hour, a little under an hour. And that's not drastic changes in elevation, but it's not flat either. Right. Um, and so thinking about what that really means, like when I, when I walk with my son, it's one of those laps, which is about 1.2 miles. A um, little under, technically, but at the end of it, it's not that he's tired, and it's not that he's uh, necessarily wanting to do something different. It's that all right, he's seen it, he's done it, he doesn't want to do it again. Right, right. They're bored. Right. Because as soon as they're not bored, they're running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon yeah, as when, something has interested them, they they start running. Yeah, when when we have him, when we allow him the freedom to like run two or three mailboxes ahead and then wait, like he'll just take off and keep going, and it's then it's a game. It's uh, how long or how quick can he get to a spot where he can sit and wait on us, and then you know keep going from there. And if we do that, he is down for two, three, sometimes even three and a half miles without a problem. Um, it's just that if it doesn't feel like a game, he's done after a mile. Yep. Yep. I totally, with my older son, I, um, I've been able to give him a a point of pride for sometimes going on, on hikes. And that is, uh, at one point I remember one time when he was two and a half years old, I took him on a walk with his cousins who are all older than him. And, uh, 
on that walk, he walked the whole way as a two and a half year old. I didn't carry him. He, I don't know. I don't, it's a neighborhood walk. He walked the whole way and he, you know, two and a half. He's loving it outside, interested in everything. And, he, you know, he didn't complain at all. And all the other, his, all of his cousins at one point or another had complaints about how far it was, how tired they were. They were actually bored and so on. And I, I tell him that story. And now it's like sometimes where it, he'll think twice about saying that he's bored or rather he'll say not bored. He's, they never say they're bored. He'll think twice about saying, uh, that he's tired. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe need to, to try that with mine. Cause I know, um, around two, we went to the space and rocket center and he walked the entire time, uh, easily three miles by the time we were done, like just walking around to different exhibits and, uh, you know, from one building to another and everything else, never complained, was just enthralled by the entire experience. And then, of course, we've been back uh, a few times over the years. And the most recent time, there, I, I wouldn't say there was more grumbling because he was still enjoying the experience wanting to go see things, but it, there was more of a question of how much further he had to go and it's not like the distances between buildings has changed if anything we're walking less than we've walked before because we're not taking all the little nooks and crannies and that kind of thing but uh, the two-year-old's kind life of, yeah the, the, for the two-year-old everything was new and for the now you know seven-year-old it's like uh, i've seen this like uh, come on i want to do something different it is funny overall no, I totally understand. It's a, it is definitely a thing. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, yeah. So those are those are the goals I have, and it's, it's, you know, it, you know, it's like eat healthier, exercise more. <laughs> you could fit it into that. You know, that's that's the TLDR. Um, so I have I have one other that I I actually don't know that I've shared this with you before. So this could be a fun uh, kind of revelation kind of thing. Um, Tomorrow, as we record, so that would be uh, Wednesday the 5th? 4th. 4th. I'm going to do a Krav Maga trial class at a a gym over here that opened up uh, less than a mile from the house. And it's really one of those things where I just kind of am interested and want to see whether it's going to maintain or, or pique my interest with a, a trial class and go from there. And if so, then I have to make some decisions on uh, how I split <laughs> my time across a bunch yeah. of different, you know, uh, interests because the uh, I've already made the decision that uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is something that I know I want to continue and if this also piques my interest, I've, one, have some financial decisions to make about whether I can afford to, and two, have to decide what that means for splitting my time across uh, multiple martial arts disciplines and trying to reintroduce and, and reemphasize some level of climbing into the mix. 
Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how the next week or so unfolds. So I got a question. Sure. Uh, how's Krav Maga spelled? <laughs> uh, so Krav Maga is K R A V space M A G A, and and that's like a, that's the Israeli martial art, correct? Correct. It is uh, completely designed for use by Israeli military and law enforcement to end an encounter as quickly as possible and escape said encounter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been billed as a very functional form of self-defense for a long time. I just kind of want to see what it's like. Um, it, looks, it looks cool. It, uh, I'm, what I'm hoping overall is that I will be interested enough to study it and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in tandem and that Krav Maga will assist with my standing to ground kind of self-defense package. So if I'm involved in an altercation that starts standing, as most do, uh, and transitions to the ground, that Krav Maga will kind of guide that and then uh, let Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu kind of take over where I control the encounter on the ground without a problem. That's overly simplistic. Like there, There's a lot more at play there, but that kind of illustrates how I'm hoping the two will play off of each other. The class that I have tomorrow evening is a, a private one-on-one -on -one instruction as a trial class so that I get an idea of what it's like. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that helps me decide whether it's really going to add anything to my standing game or if my prior experience with Taekwondo and boxing kind of cover the gamut of what I would expect to, to have from a standing self-defense curriculum. Because at the end of the day, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is going to take over once you hit the ground. Right. And I already know that I want to continue that because I have fun with, you know, aggressive <laughs> cuddling. That's just a, it's a fun <laughs> sport. And, uh, uh, I have no reason to think that Krav Maga is going to be focused on anything other than quickly ending an encounter and getting away. And so I think most of where that would provide any benefit is going to be prior to the fight going to the ground. And I don't know enough about it to know if, kind of if what I expect is accurate or not. And that's part of what I'm hoping to determine tomorrow. Well, that's very cool. I, I, I think it's really cool that it's uh, there's a place you can go to to learn Krav Maga. I used I used to say it wrong. I'd heard it a few times, but I definitely used to say I wanted to say who's who's Krav Maga. <laughs> so I used to say Krav Maga. Krav. I mean, it makes sense, right? You look at it, it's K R A V with an yeah. American pronunciation. Krav. Uh, when I called them and was talking to them and scheduling the the trial, they kept saying Krav. So I know Krav is the a correct pronunciation for the first part. 
they never actually said anything other than Krav on the phone. So I don't know if uh, Krav Maga or Maga no. or what the the secondary I think it, portion is. I think it's Krav Maga I, uh, based on – I'd heard it before in uh, – I can think it. I can think of at least one television show that I heard it, and uh, I never saw it spelled until today. And so uh, I knew I knew the Krav was spelled that just based on what it was. Because uh, I want to say they he in the show he might have called it he might have called it uh, Israeli jujitsu, which is a funny thing. But uh, well, I mean, it certainly makes sense. So the one of the things that I like about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that it's different from Japanese jiu-jitsu, which is the origin of the art. Um, and uh, let's just do a, a quick lesson, because why not? Uh, we have time. So Japanese jiu-jitsu was the original art form. Uh, there was a particular master slash instructor that... Uh, taught a class in Brazil, uh, Carlos Gracie, uh, no, Helio Gracie was a student who embodied uh, and decided to pursue Japanese jiu-jitsu predominantly because he was a smaller individual and saw the benefits for practical application um, with regard to self-defense. And so... Brazilian jiu-jitsu was born from the uh, basically pilfering of Japanese jiu-jitsu without a filter. And so what I mean by that is that Brazilian jiu-jitsu looked at Japanese jiu-jitsu as a source of inspiration, but it didn't stop there. It included uh, judo or aikido or kenpo. Basically, if a technique proved effective... It was incorporated into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, whereas uh, there were apparently, and and this is semi-anecdotal, apparently certain things that were deemed either unworthy or ineffective or uh, shouldn't be done for whatever reason within the realm of Japanese jiu-jitsu, which is how the two started to diverge. Krav Maga... If you look at the history of how it was developed, was looking at judo, jiu-jitsu, kenpo, aikido, etc., and saying, what is an effective way to very quickly and efficiently stop an attacker, an attacker or an altercation without regard for any rules or structure? So if it's an eye gouge, it's an eye gouge. If it's a kick to the groin, it's a kick to the groin. It's more of a recognition of what do I need to do to immediately stop this uh, person from attacking or otherwise controlling me. And prior to that distinction, if you think about Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a comparison, it's how do I, as a smaller person, control an altercation with a larger person? And in the way those are described, you can already pick up on some differences. It's uh, more about I'm going to continue my engagement and continue to control my opponent with regards to jujitsu. And in Krav Maga, it's 
I'm going to do what I need to do to make my opponent let go, and I'm going to get the fuck out of there <laughs> kind of thing, right? And so yeah. I find that to be highly intriguing to view the different styles in that type of scenario. And I'm just curious how it's going to play out at this point. And that's the quick history lesson. We have a number of different ways set up for you to get in touch with us to provide feedback, ask questions, or just comment in about something we've discussed. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at untitled underscore hosts, or shoot an email over to untitled.hosts at gmail.com. Or get in touch directly with jesse at jtheart.com, or get in touch with me, John, via telepathy. If you would like to support our work, or are interested in listening to our new after-show feed, head over to patreon.com slash theuntitledpodcast and take a look at the options we have set up. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope to connect with more of you as we continue this journey. That's a wrap.